0: house the houston cougars are rolling they are 12 and 0 to start the season things look like they're off to a great start defensive masterpiece on thursday night but why do they need a break so bad you are locked on cougs your daily podcast on the houston cougars part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Welcome to Locked on Cougs, daily podcast with your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker and Third their breakdown all things Cougs. If you're a U of H fan or just a hater who can't stop by, please be sure to subscribe down below. That way you can lay us on the Cougs in your news feed each and every day. We appreciate you making Locked on Cougs your first listen of the day. If you found us on YouTube, welcome back to the YouTube channel. It's so good to see you again. Managed to subscribe, doing a giveaway every 250 subscribers on YouTube. And we're approaching that 2,000 mark. We're up over 1,800, closing in on 1,850. So... Hit subscribe. Help us get there. Like comment on the video. Let us know you're in the contest. If you don't know what to say, if you talking about basketball this whole time, more here for the Football Recruiting talk. You just don't know what to do. You're so dumbfounded by the defense that he Cougars played. Tell us in the comments down below. Well, based on what I'm having for dinner on Friday night, because I'm having some dinner with some friends and family. Do you consider Chicago-style pizza? Pizza. All right. So... We're going to be doing uh, a lot of recap on the basketball game that was Thursday night. Houston played the Texas State Bobcats. Texas State Bob. What a mascot. My elementary school's mascot was actually the Bobcats. Um going to be pl- uh, talking about the Texas State Bobcats, the Houston Cougars basketball game, and kind of the bigger impacts of that game, um, both in the short and long terms. And then kind of what we took away from as far as some potential lineup stuff. First segment's been looking at the defensive masterpiece that was the game. Stars of the game will be making their appearance in the second segment. In the last segment, he's looking at who gets to play that small ball four. But in this game, he won 72 to 37. You heard that correctly. 72 to 37. Now... Uh, It was the first time since 2015 that Texas State was held below 40 points in a basketball game, in a full-length basketball game. They've been averaging 73 points per game this season. They're held to about half that, if my math is correct. 37 to 73. It's about half. Not quite half, but about half. Um, they shot 45% from the field on the year coming into this game. They were held to 28.9% from the field in this game. They're getting 13 turnovers per game, just 13 turnovers per game, Texas State was getting. They had 16 turnovers in this game at halftime. Halftime. Houston turned Texas State over 27 total total times in the game. Uh, They went the first six minutes of the game without scoring. They went the first eight minutes of the second half without a field goal. For what it's worth... I just want to check who they played this season for common opponents. Uh, when Texas State went to UT Austin, who will obviously be playing later this year, but not played yet, they put up 58 points and had just 13 turnovers, right? So they had a much better offensive outing against those Orange Cows. Now, I will say it's interesting to see this game. you look at the box, we're like, wait a second. Texas State actually out-rebounded Houston 39-37. to that rarely happens and it certainly is a rarity in a Houston Cougar win. Much of what Houston does is based on getting second and third opportunities, getting a bunch of offense rebounds, and for what it's worth, getting more possessions than the other team. You do that by rebounding the basketball. But Houston did not out-rebound Texas State, and frankly, there are a lot of people that kind of this defensive stat. So, like Parker, what are you talking about? That's a defensive stat that did not go away. Kelvin Sampson, the post game, said that he did not think rebounding mattered as much uh, when you have that many forced turnovers. Now, I think his logic is actually pretty sound here. Work with me. Um, the theory is that rebounding the basketball is securing your team the ball, right? If it's on their miss or your miss, it's giving you the ball with a chance to score one more time. A turnover forcing a turnover and is, is in essence the exact same thing. So when you lump turnovers forced and rebounds together, Houston had 37 rebounds and 27 turnovers forced. I'm not great at math here, but that's what 64 total. And then Houston only committed 12 turnovers and only gave up 39 rebounds. That's not great at math here, but what 50. One total math's hard. Um, but what I'm kidding at is that they actually win the cumulative there on creating possessions. Um, not quite that he's not being that analytical, but Kelvin Sampson did finish up later by saying the storyline of the game should be that 37 points. And that's really hard to do. And I do think that that's really hard to do. When you look at how, you know, Texas state, I think it's a bad rap for a number of reasons. Um, Mostly because, you know, they're another team that got steamrolled by Houston in this deal. And people like to act like Houston doesn't play anybody. Um, But Texas State is going to end up having, I'd imagine, a relatively solid Sun Belt season. When you look at who they have to play and other teams in that conference and so on. Um, Now, yes, they're going to run into Arkansas State. And yes, there's other teams in the conference that are good at basketball. And only one team from that conference is going to get to go to the big dance. I don't know that it's Texas state by any stretch or what have you. Um, But I do think that that's a team that like had had a lot more success against a difficult schedule offensively coming into this basketball game. And Houston, again, held them to 37 points, 37 points. Um, Like I Houston shot the ball really, really poorly and for what it's worth they were almost there at halftime as far as they almost had sort of enough they almost had enough points in the game to win the game by halftime they were that mm-hmm. close um and i think that's kind of you know interesting to see that the defensive effort lasted so long or it was start to finish in this game regardless of how bad the offense was um now Houston does get a break here after playing their butts off from an effort perspective on Thursday night. Um, They have nine days until their next game. It sounds like they have uh, no basketball activities until the 26th. Calvin Sam said in the post game, he doesn't want to see these guys for four days. Um, I'd imagine they probably also don't want to see him, but I'm not going to put words in their mouths. In this game, we know Terrence Arsenal has been hurt, right? In this game alone, you had uh, Jamal Shedd took a like a hit to the gut, hip area early had to come out for a second. Uh, Javier Francis bumped knees and R- Ramon Walker and kind of turned his ankle on the way down and out, out of bounds. Uh, had a limp off, but he didn't come back in and playing. Right. And then the story from injury perspective, injury perspective is Jawan Roberts, uh, who's been dealing with a knee injury for what sounds like about three weeks where it's not getting demonstrably worse by him playing, but he is playing injured. Um, he, you know, fell down in the middle of the first half and kind of a scary moment. We had to get like help walking to the bench. Um, we were told he didn't come back in the game, didn't obviously. Jojo Tugler took over his uh, job for most of the second half. Uh, we were told in the uh, on the telecast, it sounds like it was actually in this game a quad contusion coincidentally on the same leg but I will tell you, again, I have not had the exact same injuries that, uh, J1's going through. I don't mean to say, or sound like I get it or whatever. And so I don't mean for this to get back to him like that. But if you're already compensating for a bum knee, you're probably putting a lot of extra pressure just by walking with a bum knee on your quads. Right. And so then to have the quad contusion and, you know, those deep bruises can, can be very painful for the initial 12 to 18 hours. Um, that's a lot of pain, right? That's a lot. He was grimacing on the sidelines um, and those kind of things. I will say a nice thing about a contusion, though, is that by nine days from now when Houston plays Pen, it hopefully is mostly worked out. Now, the knee thing may still be there, but hopefully the contusion itself is mostly worked out if that's really what's going on. Um, and I, I don't mean to say that they have any reason to lie to us. I just, you know, I, I imagine that there's a lot of things going on with a lot of guys being all kinds of banged up. Now, the big reason for this big gap in time between games is that Houston is going to give the guys off some time for the holidays. And if you're looking for something to buy your loved ones for the holidays, a big thing right now is an experiential kind of thing, going out and doing something. And what better way to get tickets and go to game time, get the game time app, use code locked on college for $20 off tickets to anything going on in the H. You can find tickets to concerts, sporting events, uh, theater, anything comedy shows whatever you have going on in houston you can find tickets at game times use the code locked on for twenty dollars off they have all kinds of cool uh ways to make sure you're getting the best price you can see exactly like where your seat's going to look like and what the view from your seat will look like uh on their app you can also like if you're kind of yeah, these all feel the same. You can give them a section you want to sit in. They'll pick the seat in row. You get an average of 18% savings in that instance. So, why not give the gift of something to experience this holiday season? Go to Game Time, download the Game Time app, use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE. That's promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. All right. So I have to say that it's interesting in looking at this game because I typically, and they start the game type segment, would be admittedly reading off like LJ Cryer, 22 points, five of nine from three, great shooting night. Jamal Shedd, seven assists, just one turnover, or, you know, great offensive stats typically fill up your stars of the game moment. Unfortunately for Houston, or I guess fortunately for, I don't I don't know how to describe it, as great as they played defensively, they played pretty bad offensively. And I know they ended up scoring by the end of the game 72 points. They kind of went on some runs, defense earned offense, kind of some good layups and da 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 da, da. But in looking at this game specifically, um, Houston shot the ball very poorly in the first half. Um, on the season, their numbers look fairly similar. Like on the season, they're shooting about forty three and a half percent from the field. On Thursday night, they shot about forty three and a half percent. Sorry, forty three point three percent from the field. Um, but at halftime, it was down more like 36, 37 Right? Uh, they're shooting thirty five percent from three on the game on the season this year. And I think the reason it felt so notable on Thursday night was they shot just twenty. 1% from three now Houston with how great their guards are relies a lot on that three-point shot whether it's crier or sharp or shed or Dunn or whomever uh, they rely a lot on their guards hitting those threes and that's kind of why the offense feels like it flows with so many turnovers in this game they obviously got on transition had a bunch of transition points um, and so it's not quite the same. I mean, Houston uh, forced 27 turnovers, had 27 points off turnovers. Uh, it's not always that clean, right, to go one-to-one like that. But that made up for a lot of the poor three-point shooting and a lot of the poor, frankly, mid-range shooting as well. It kind of brought the overall shooting percentage up on this game. Um, I know I'm supposed to be talking about starts of the game. I'm just giving that long explanation as to why these numbers are very meh <laughs> on the start of the game. But like Emmanuel Sharp shot just two of 10 from the field, right? And I think it really is to say, like, that's probably, and I'm not, I don't have every single one of his game logs in front of me. I'd imagine two of 10 from the field is the worst shooting of his career at Houston, let alone this season, right? Um, But what I would give Emmanuel Sharp a star of the game kind of moment for is a couple things. One, his defense was incredible. He's doing all kinds of tough guy things now. Now, he's always been a little stouter, a little sturdier. But he's diving in front of guys trying to take charges. He's putting his chest in front of guys, cutting off sidelines. He's going up and fighting for rebounds, colliding with people in midair and you know, giving extra possessions to Houston and those kinds of things that are all qualitative, not quantitative. I don't have a stat for them necessarily, but he's doing a lot more of the dirty work. And then inversely an in offense, it's into translating into a much more versatile or diverse score. Emmanuel Sharp was sharp shooter last year, right? He was just from three. Right? So that was his thing. Eventually he got to where he hit a two-step pull-up if you came out and you know covered up too much, right? Thursday night, he's to a 10 from behind the arc, or two a ten from the game, two and nine from behind the arc. But he got to the fouling. The same guy that's doing the dirty work on defense is doing a great job of attacking the rim, going through contact, taking fouls, getting the free throw line. He went 11 for 11 from the foul line, right? Now, he's one of the best free throw shooters on the team. I'm not saying that like the 11 for 11 part is obviously a great shoot 100%. It's not the impressive part to me. The impressive part to me is that there were 11 free throws. A guy that's typically known as a jump shooter. You don't typically get foul shooting jump shots. You don't typically see those guys get a lot of free throws. When he sees that his shots not falling, he finds other ways to score. Right. That's where he gets a star of the game from me for. Right. Um, is fi- a the dirty work he's doing on defense, and then finding ways to be a part of the game plan on offense. Uh, the other guy has got to be Javier Francis. Now, Javier's is averaging like five points per game this season. Um, he played twenty-two minutes, so just twenty-two minutes on. Thursday nights. They go small a lot of times and don't put them in those small lineups. Um, And frankly, Texas State was not tall, so they didn't have to get out of the small lineups a whole lot, right? But in just 22 minutes of play, he had 13 points on 5 of 5 from the field, right? And I thought it was interesting in watching this game that there was very clearly a, a a directive in the early parts of the first half to feed the post, a lot of high lows from J to him, a lot of low highs, frankly, from him to Joe a lot, a lot of work being done between the post it was clearly a focal, a focal point at the start of the basketball game in a way that felt like it was for Houston last year with Jairus and J down at the post guys, right? A lot of high, low actions between Jairus and he last year to start games this year. You had J- today or Thursday night, you had Javier being the folk one start the game. Five of five and, like, several traditional post-ups. He got fouled on one and went to the free-throw line. Um, he, he's not a great free-throw shooter. He did go three of seven from the free-throw line, so obviously some work to do there. But I'd go back to just 22 minutes. He had two blocks and a steal, a couple of the deflections, and one, at least one that sticks out of my head. I don't know how you count, like, a shot deferment or whatever, but, like, he is just present in the lane, and guys are like, I can't shoot this right now. Those kinds of things, right? Um, really, really impressive game from JBA uh, on Thursday night, and I have to say, frankly, that we we dog him pretty hard when he plays poorly because, frankly, he's like of the the core group, the starter group, the key rotational guys. He's a guy that like is kind of needs to you know turn into a veteran really quickly. He didn't play much as a freshman at all, didn't play a whole lot last year because Jarrett showed up and took a lot of the minutes, and I was like, hey, JBA, you need to. Need to grow up, man, right? We're kind of rushing him into this instead of like progressing him into it. Kelvin's always really great at pointing that out and reminding us of that. Um, I thought on Thursday night he looked like a guy that's played a lot of basketball. Hopefully, he does the same thing. He gets pinned, then goes into West Virginia on January 6th and does the same kinds of things, right? Um, two other guys, obviously, uh, you can always talk about Jamal Shedd, so I won't belabor it too much. Um, Jamal Shedd had another one of his like highlight reel type of blocks in this game or he caught the ball. Uh, I couldn't quite tell if he pinned off the rubber on the bottom of the backboard or not, but it looked like he blocked the guy's shot and caught it. The guys on TV were debating whether it would be a steal or a block. I think it's a block and a rebound, but I'm not a statistician. Uh, Tremendous defensive effort from him, obviously. 11 points in his own right. Um, Only one or two from behind the arc, and the step-back three he hit was really, really smooth. 50% shooting, and a game that, frankly... Houston shot the ball really poorly. Houston shot the ball 43%. Jamal, Jamal Shedd shot the ball 50%, right? Um, I would also argue he, he did end up with just two assists, which is relatively low for him on his season, uh, last couple seasons, frankly. But if Houston shoots the ball better, he in some great shots and some great looks. On the whole, I would actually argue Houston had a lot of great looks that did not go in. Jamal Shed sets several those up. If guys hit their shots, he gets a few more assists. Might have had a much more stellar stat line. And then obviously the great defense he played in the course of this game. I will shout out, he went um, right directly by, and like a little hesitation blow-by move, went right by Colton Benson in a very – Uh, you know, if you're a Central Texas person, Jamal went to Maynard, Colton uh, from Texas State went to Bowie, went right by him. And I know that, you know, the old Bowie coach, Coach Collier, there's a legendary coach in Central Texas he would have been flipping out about Colton Benson going, going to run right by, but Jamal Shed does that to people. He just does that to people. And then Jojo Tugler, Jojo Tugler was asked to do a lot more in this game with the absence of Jawan Roberts after his injury. Jamal Andrews played eight minutes. That meant Tugler played 19, uh, Tugler's stat line, just four points, two blocks of steal, and four rebounds is not as stellar. Does not give the full story of the energy that guy brings every time he steps on the floor. If you've got more clever ways to analytically di- dissect that with like some sort of a statistic or quantitative data, I'd love to know about it because frankly, I'm running out of ways to qualitatively talk about the impact that Jojo Tugler brings. He's just an energy high motor guy. I cannot believe we get to keep him in houston hopefully for a long long time the longer he gets to uh, play under kelvin and you know get one-on-one work with kellen in the big man room is going to be awesome great night from uh, jojo and frankly on a night we needed it with j1 being down really really important night as well now speaking of things that are important it is getting a little cold outside that's whether it's colder The NFL offers are getting hot over at FanDuel because right now uh, you can put a $5 bet down on a money line, get $150 back in bonus bets if your money line bet wins. It's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than this weekend where the Houston Texans are a a two-and-a-half-point dog at home. Not a whole lot of faith in a boy, Case Keenum. Cougar, Case Keenum. They don't have a whole lot of faith in him, apparently, um, starting at quarterback for the injured CJ Stroud. The money line bet is plus 122 Houston's way. Again, $5 on that. If Houston wins, you get $150 bucks back in bonus bets. So visit slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. Fanduel, official partner of the NFL. All right, I said in the last segment, I want to talk some about the small ball for spot because I think we saw two different glimpses, especially when Jojo Tugler had to fill in for Jawan, as to who could replace Terrence Arsenault in that spot. We saw a lot more Malik Wilson minutes and we saw a lot more Ramon Walker minutes. Now I think the interesting thing here between these two, and we may talk about this leading up to the pin game. We'll see. Um, but the interesting thing between these two is they're kind of opposites or inverses of one another, right? Uh Lake Wilson is tall, long, flies through the air, uh, very uh, graceful uh, aesthetically. He's you know finishing with both hands, finger rolling around the rim, you know, pretty basketball. I'm not say he's like a pretty boy, or whatever by any stretch, but pretty basketball. Ramon Walker is a junkyard dog. Ramon Walker is a six four power forward. Ramon Walker is he's one of the four five. He's been on the court. Five minutes but i have to specify because he's actually been on the floor seven times right like he's that kind of a guy that has always got his body parallel to the ground either leaping for a loose ball diving because he's poked a steel loose you know flying in for a rebound at like a 60 degree angle he's always doing something chaotic right um and both guys because of their unique size and skill sets can kind of be a swingman three, can kind of be a guard, and in the case of this Houston Cougar basketball team, can kind of be that small ball four that Terrence Arsenault was as well. Now, Malik can cover one through four and uh, can play one through three offensively. He's got the length and verticality to kind of help go get rebounds and transition. He's one of the fastest guys on the team, and he can levitate i'm really impressed every time I see league play by his second explosion and basketball uh, training and coaches talk about that a lot, but like you got explode uh, horizontally to get to the rim and then vertically to get up to the rim. He does the second explosion incredibly quick and incredibly well he's really really good at those kinds of athletic things um offensively, we're still finding where his shots will fall, but he he finishes around the rim really well. And in transition, he might be as good as it gets on Houston, right? But defensively, you know, he, he played some at Tech a long time ago, but didn't get to play a lot. And then he went to the Sunbelt Conference before coming to Houston, ultimately, and redshirting last year. Um, all of that is to say, I'm talking a long way around this, Houston's defense is faster than any defense he's ever played in. And it's become very apparent that there are times where everyone else is moving at such a fast speed. He seems to be, and I'm this is me talking through it. He almost looks a step behind. That is like, if they're, you know, double teaming at the right top corner and he's got to help the helper and he's got to right, slide over and do this. kind. Of, he's like processing who's on first and what coverage they're kind of running on the back side of this. And he's a little slow, right? A little late, those kinds of things. Right Um, now it's still faster than you and I were doing. It's still faster than most of college basketball players are do it. But for Houston, it's a little slow and the entire theory behind the amount of ball pressure Houston puts on is, You've got to put that kind of ball pressure on. You got to be all moving on a string, because otherwise, there's any you know leakage in the dam. It's kind of a layup because you're selling out to go stop the stuff up top, right? That's really, really problematic from your from your power forward, which is effectively what the small ball four will be doing, right? Inversely, Ramon Walker is never late on those things. Ramon Walker is the thing, the driving force in being able to do those kinds of things. His aggression, his Innate sense to find the ball and know where things are going to happen is what makes him a great defender. He does all those things in the back line, those kind of rotations that Malik is still learning. Ramon does them very well and has done them very well for Samson because he's been in the system for a while. We saw when guys went down a couple of years ago, he stepped in and made game winning, literally, plays defensively, right? He's that kind of a guy. However, on offense, we're still kind of figuring out, even this far into his career, what to do with him besides kind of have him as a power forward drop the ball to him spot right because he can handle the ball but he's not like gonna get to ram against intense ball pressure handle the ball right he can get hot shooting the three but I would not call him like a legacy shooter by any stretch right he can go through contact but he's not like the best free throw shooter on the team or anything like that I say I to say that offensively. He's the kind of guy, skill set-wise, that you want to, you know, drive and dish it to and drop it off to from about four feet away, but he's only about six foot four. And so getting him the ball about four feet away at six foot four is not quite as effective as it is to get to a traditional power forward in that spot. You're kind of leaving yourself vulnerable in that. If he's not hot from three, or you could space him out at least, like you make him a spacer there in the corner, you got a problem. And so Whichever one of these guys can kind of find their footing first, I think will ultimately kind of get to swallow the Terrence Arsenal minutes. Now, the other day, Coach Kelvin Sampson mentioned that he thinks it's going to, he thinks that Ramon Walker is going to have a big role now. And ultimately, we know that Sampson loves his guys. He loves rewarding, uh, you know, being around. He loves rewarding Guys that have learned a lot. He was rewarding, frankly, experience. And he's he's got some trust in that experience from Ramon. And frankly, we know how much he wished he could have played Ramon more last year and then things kind of went the way they went. So I think Ramon's gonna get the first crack at it. And frankly, this is the coach in me it's easier to learn offensive stuff than it is to learn defensive stuff. And that actually kind of gives Ramon a big advantage here, right? He just needs to find one or two things he can complement, shed crier, sharp, done, et cetera, offensively with a way to compliment them and not get in their way and not clog up the lane for them. And he'll be all right because we know the things he brings defensively. Now, this is obviously being a small ball force; It's not a permit solution. Uh, this is not, I mean, the reason Terrence was so good and the reason Terrence is going to go pro one day is because Terrence did all of these things, right? Terrence is really, really good at basketball. And we can't wait to have him be really, really good at basketball post entry when he makes the comeback. But in the time being, that for right now, we've got to find ways to plug those holes. And I really do think that's going to come down to who wins this matchup. And I do give Ramon a slight edge because I know he's going to get a shot first. And I think the offensive stuff is easy to learn. Now, I will say that Malik has all the athletic tools to learn the defensive side of this thing. And so I'm not counting him out by any stretch. I just want the Cougars to win some basketball games. And I think it's going to go down to one of those guys Kind of learning the skill set that they're lacking, the other one kind of has. It's an interesting back and forth. If you got other thoughts on, tell me in the comments down below or tell me wherever you found this podcast. You can find me on social media to talk about these kind of things too on all your social media platforms, wherever you talk about Houston Cougar things. I am at Painsworth512 P A I N S W O R T H 5121. Twitter, Instagram, threads, whatever your social media is, that's where you can find me. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. If you're looking for a second listen, Sports Podcast of the Year nominee, Locked on College Basketball, is a great job breaking down all things across the entire college basketball landscape. Each and every day, go follow them, check them out, and then go vote for them in Sports Podcast Awards as well. Locked on cooks is probably Locked on Podcast. Number of them, is your team, our Cougs. Kelvin Sampson's Cougs every day. Go Cougs!